welcome everyone to What The Bark Live, our first live ever podcast episode. After 20 episodes uh, pre-recorded, we finally got the courage to do one live. Oh, great. I'm, I'm excited live so they can uh, help me here, Nathan. They can see George. They can see George. They oh, can wow. see myself. They can see Andrew as well. Andrew uh, is also part of the Rightpool team. Hello, uh, marketing manager, and he's here to help moderate this very special episode of the podcast, which is our Ask Me Anything episode. Wow. So, firstly, I will say, I'll start off by saying it's the first podcast I've done without Charlie and Mary beside me. I've had to put true. them, wow. yeah, I've had to put them away. No distractions. Life, no distractions. Going live, the last thing I wanted was a scratching of Mary, but you know, they understand. Maybe we'll see how it goes, and we can maybe make them part of the a live session next time. So they'll be waiting at home for you. Yes. Yeah, so they'll be anyway, watching. They'll be tuning in. Yeah. And people that have, that actually wanted to tune in just to see Mary and Charlie will be disappointed. <laughs> well, to all of our listeners of what the bark welcome and to everyone who has joined us and hasn't maybe heard, heard of the podcast before welcome as well. Uh, what the bark mm. is uh, a podcast that George uh, from Oravet and myself, uh, Nathan from Rightpool, we host every two weeks, uh, which is all about the dog world, but it's the dog world done differently. Um, it's very much uh, a look into the dog world. We have different guests. We have breeders on. We have uh, different people from the dog world. We've had episodes of microchips. We've had a poo expert as well. George, we've oh, had yeah, we've guests had from all, all over the world. If you haven't listened, where have you been? And you know what? They're educational. They're entertaining. They're informative. We've had, as you said, Nathan, we've had an international guest. We've had, you know, behavioural experts. We've had breed experts. We've had um, judges on board. Yeah. It's, how many? I think it's close to 16 episodes. Oh, we've had, yeah, this is episode 20. This, this 20. will be recorded and we'll go live on uh And on we've Apple given away heaps of prizes. Yeah, throughout the whole way. That's right. Every week, prizes. Oh, just... Yep. It's love, uh, you know, get on board. If you fun. haven't been listening, get down, download it on Spotify and on the Apple Store and start from episode one. Yeah. Because they they're, all build up. They're all crackers. You'll hear when episode one, Nathan couldn't put two words together <laughs> and he's just, got, just rambling, like, on, yeah, rambling on, going on. Stop. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and then we just got better as we go along and the guests have been fantastic. There's been some guests we couldn't, you know, turn the volume down on and they went on. Uh, but it was love. It's, it's been, been Yeah, it's been yeah. awesome. And this is a very special episode because it's our first chance to really go live and hear from, from you, all of our listeners as well. So we've got uh, an Ask Me Anything format and for those that don't know what that is, it's a chance for you to come on. So come onto the video, come onto the event and drop in a comment that you have as a question for George or myself about Oravet or about Rightpool or about the dog world. And we'll do our best to answer yeah. it. Um, and, uh, and basically, and, and yeah, please, and please be nice to Andrew. Andrew's going to be moderating yeah. it. No <laughs> cap, no caps lock. Yeah. Because unless you, you, you unless you're shouting, to, unless yeah, you're shouting. Yeah. And can I please, before we start, I do not want questions on where is my sample and where are my results? This is not, <laughs> George, you took the question not, out of my mouth. That's no, the first question. If I see any of those, Andrew, please put them to the bottom of the list. It, I do not know where your sample is. I, I do not know where your results are. This is after 5, 5 p.m. I'm switched off. Roger. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly in with the first question while we wait for everyone to drop their comments in. So, so please drop your comments in. And special prize, George is going to judge the best or most interesting question by the end of the podcast. And 
what we're going to do is that person will get a free full breed profile on Oravet. Another giveaway. Uh, another yeah. giveaway. And free full breed profile loyalty points in your account for what we think is the most interesting question. Yeah. George will be it the judge be, of that. Yeah, it can be about anything. You can ask me a political question. If you think it's interesting, it might win the prize, Nathan. Yeah, that's it. But I think uh, there's also going to be an uh, ongoing prize. So if you're a breeder as well and you're interested in signing up to write for, um, you can sign up. Andrew will put a link in the comments. Um, and you'll also get, uh, if you do sign up, you'll get a, an Oravet uh, loyalty voucher up to $50 as well. So we'll, uh, we'll wow. send that all to you as well. How do we make money in this business, Nathan? I don't know. I've struggled. It's just... Well, your office looks very good. That was going to be my first question. While we wait for the comments to roll in, George, where are you filming? Tell us about your office. This is your office. This is where the magic yes, happens. This, is, this is where the magic happens. COVID has done one thing. It's allowed me to create an office. And over the time, I've decided I need to make it interesting because if you know, whenever there's a Zoom meeting on and it's a bit boring, people can wander and look around and you can see I've got bits and pieces everywhere. You know, I've got my daughter collects troll dolls and this is one of them. And she's got literally hundreds of them. I've got a little DNA helix here that sits there as well. Yep. And sometimes I've bought out my harmonica too, yeah. Nathan. And you know when I'm sitting around at a Zoom meeting, yeah, so yeah, this is my slow. Yeah, and that's and I've got this fantastic book text from your dog, and then I've got this really a mask up here. Yeah. And if anyone can shoot George an email with who that is in that. Up there, there's a little price for him too. So, yes, yeah, just a bit of fun to make sure that people just don't focus on George and how he looks. You can look around. I've got things around me. So, yeah, just a, it's a reflection of my zany personality, really. Yeah, love it. I think that's great. And uh, and I, I think we were able to identify who that person is. So, yeah, anyone who uh, who gets it, george at oravet.com, send through the email, and uh, I'm sure George can sort you out with a special prize. Um, but Andrew, I think we've got our first question uh, coming through. I believe we do. Oh, we do. I see it. There and we it go. Is, it's from Annette. And Annette's asking, what's she asking, Andrew? So she's asking, is there much research going on to identify conditions that don't have a test currently available? Good question, Annette. Who, it's, usually the research is, being, is done by... Uh, mainly some university organisations. How, how do you find out who is doing the research? Usually I find out from breeders themselves who are involved in it. There's really not a one database that lists all the current research. Most of the time you know what's happened once something's been published and you're made aware of it through, you know, all the publications. But I'll be honest with you, most times I'm made aware of research by the breeders themselves that are involved in They're so samples. active. They are. And, you know, they're, the they're all breed focused. You know, there used to be a great organisation called the Animal Health Trust, which used to list them, which unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. You know, and to be honest, a lot of the research is becoming more and more in-house and secretive these days. It's not as open as what it used to be. Welcome to the battles of, you know, having the first test and offering it first. But there's really not one place you can look at. There's a, you know, if you want to look at what is available, there's some great sites that are available from the OMIA database to the PenGen site to IPFD, both three little websites you can refer to. Mm -hmm. But Annette, there is not one 
place that you can currently look at at what research is going on. There's not a, a real database where you can source them. You know, there's universities in Missouri that does research. There's the University of Pennsylvania, those sort of organisations. I mean, one thing I've noticed, George, is like when you do order a test through Oravet, every so often there'll be a test which says, you know, research or like in, in this development. And, you know, is that something that you're doing? You're gathering a bit of data on to, to learn or understand? these tough questions to start with <laughs> i asked you about your office that was it it's almost <laughs> like i need a panadol between annette's question and now yours it's research only so where do i start how many have seen that yet yeah, we do that on a number of tests where as an organization we feel that the test is is not a direct test but most likely a linkage associated test so although uh, dogs may test positive, it doesn't really give you a, a the genetic information that allows you to make a key breeding decision. So we use research only to say to those, test, but don't base any key breeding decision on this result. For example, we, um, we list the early onset deafness in Border Collies as research only because it's, it's a couple of linked genes. So being positive simply means that you have an increased risk of, say, eight times of maybe having some early onset deafness. So there's also the same thing we list for um, uh, dilated cardiomyopathy as well. So it tends to reflect that the science behind it is not really that solid. It's not a direct gene that has a, an association to showing those symptoms, and to really use the information more for your own personal information and don't base any key breeding decision on that result. Does that sort of help? Yeah. yeah so that we, makes we, sense. We, we add the research yeah. only in to allow um, users to, to understand that don't, you know, don't, don't, don't remove that animal from your breeding program if it's positive is what yeah. we say. Yeah, and that makes sense. And actually, I can see that we've had a question come through just on that, which is... And from- the IVDD. <laughs> Why do we list it on that? Because literally, it's one of those tests where every short-limbed dog literally tests positive for IVDD. And what is IVDD for people who might not know the acronym? Do we know? Invertible disc disease. I'm only an acronym person. Yeah, that's true. You know, if it, so what it happens, for example, for example, a miniature poodle, toy poodle, every dash down 100%, French bulldogs about 90% testers carry on positive. So really, is that, is that, uh, is that a gene that is, that it is, um, that is, uh, shows the symptoms? No, mm. it's, an, it's, it's a, it's a disease that somehow has, uh, is maybe one gene in a number of genes that are linked to IVDD. Hence why we call it research only. If you, were to, if you were to use that information, there'd be very few dogs you could breed with. Mm. You think about it, if over 90% of French bulldogs were carriers and positive, there'd be very few dogs you could use. Yep. Absolutely. No, it's good. It's interesting. And I think it's more, yeah, as you said, a guide just to, you know, for, for research only. Don't base any key breeding decisions on it, as you said. So, no, that's good. And we can see the questions flying through now as well. We've got another one. This is like a marathon for me. Can people just like not take a break? It's like, I can see. We're going to have to have session two. So I've got a question here from Chrissy. Yeah. And it's really good because all the curveball questions, I can see people have built up a lot of frustration Mm. 
and waited for and been waiting for something like this to let the questions go free. And George is here today. So the question that Chrissy's raised is an interesting one, which again is a half hour discussion, but I'll try and make it easy. So Christy, for example, has said she's had a, a, a sample or a, a, a semen sample profiled by another organisation called Animal Health Trust, which is now shut down. So she's got a DNA profile or fingerprint from AHT and she and the she wants to use that for Dogs Queensland and use Orivet, but you can't use it because the communication and language of that DNA profile is different to what Orivet uses. So what tends to happen is unfortunately it's been a discussion from a lot of people. What isn't why can't it be one international standard that is profiled? And there is basically three international standards. There's one that AHT used, which was called microsatellites, and we like to call that an analogue system. There is an international standard that Orivet and other organisations use, which is called SNPs, and it's a digital system. And there is a standard that, unfortunately, the American Kennel Club uses, which is unique to them, and it's a combination of an analogue system but not part of an international system. If people want to verify what is an international standard, I recommend they visit ISAG, the International Society of Animal Genetics, which, which defines and sets up the, the, the standard of markers to be used. And then every two years gets every laboratory together and gets them to run reference samples against those microsatellites and SNPs and then come back and set up a database so then all labs are able to communicate. So in Chrissy's case, she will need to send a new sample to Orivet and we rerun this at no charge as a favour to and for those that have done it at another organisation. And we will extract DNA from that sample of semen and run a SNP ISAG standard profile for her. So... Interesting. I didn't realize there were different standards across the different countries. That, that's fascinating. Think about it in the, in the early sort of 80s, 90s, the system was an analog system called microsatellites. Microsatellites, basically, that when you run them, your machine will interpret the size of that microsatellite differently to mm. someone else's machine. And it might be one or two or three bases differently. So then what ISAG does is we've set the standard, sending your your uh, your sizes, and this, and then, uh, and then call it back to a standard. So if this lab is two over, call it two down. If you're three, so you all set an international standard. The SNPs do not vary according to a machine. You either read a G, an A, a T, or a C, and it's newer technology. So it doesn't matter what machine you run it on, you call the same base. It doesn't change. So that's what we call a digital system. And, of course, the problem you've got is it's, it's newer technology, newer equipment, new innovation. It's very difficult for laboratories that were using microsatellites to invest and change the technology across the SNPs. That's where the challenge is. Got it. So hopefully, Chrissy, that answers your question. And it sounds like you can send it through to George and, and they'll, you know, there's, there's a way of making it work. And, and, and Christy's, Christy's question is quite, you know, she's got an empty vial. Look, we do our best from empty vials. Mm -hmm. We'll flush them out. 
We have a success rate of about 80%. We, we don't want you to go and waste a, a, an important and expensive breeding unit. But if you send us, you know, the, the Ziploc bag and the vial, we do a manual extraction, we flush it out, and we have a fairly good success rate. Yeah, that's good. There you go. That's a niche question, but an interesting one. Um, and look, George, we'll give you we'll give you a break. We'll give you a chance to catch your breath because otherwise we're just going to fly through. So, Andrew, I know we had some pre-prepared questions as well that some of our viewers or listeners had sent in ahead of time because they wanted to make sure they got answered. So were there any, uh, any questions there that um, uh, we want to shoot through as well? There's got to be yeah. some right poor questions because I've got, I I've think got loads were. of them. Yeah, I, th- I think there are. One, one, of them, of them. one of them is um, is how do you ensure that breeders on your side are responsible? Yeah, I, I get this yeah. a bit, Nathan, yeah. so if you can clear it up for me as well. Yeah, no, that's fine. I think um, it's a good question. And obviously, as right poor, one of our key um, focuses is ensuring that we get to celebrate and promote fantastic breeders. Um, and members of the public can come to Ripeport and know that they are interacting with great breeders as well. So the way that we do that is every breeder that comes through and signs up, they have to go through uh, basically a very, you know, uh, standard verification process where they jump on a call with one of our, one of our team members. Uh, we go through, check their registration details. We verify some of the health tests that they've selected on their profile. So we um, are able to see, okay, are they doing, hips or DNA, the things that they've selected. Can we check that they've done them? Um, we also go through our Rightpool Code of Ethics. So we um, ensure that they're doing uh, things in line with the code that, that we've developed, which is in line with a lot of the state and uh, association guidelines. Um, and we also jump on a very quick video call as well. So we get to sort of meet the breeders. So they get to um, show us a little bit about their home environment, see the dogs. So a chance for us to get to know them as well. So it's, you know, a uh, very straightforward process, but it's our way of basically making sure that every breeder on the platform, you know, we get to know, we can meet them, we can stand behind them. Um, and yeah, we have over 500 breeders now that we, that we have if gone through. An X-ray, if I do a hip score and an elbow yeah. score, how, how do you verify that I've done one? So breeders actually uh, will send us through a copy of uh, one of the scores or the tests that they've done on their breeding dogs um, obviously that's just for our records we do it purely so that we can verify it doesn't get shared with anyone it's kept securely but it's our way of making sure that you know if someone says that they're doing that testing well you know most most people would need to be able to show they are doing it before that gets published on their profile on right um, so it's just a you know our way of making sure everyone is held to the same standards and do you have specific standards that you set as your minimum for particular breeds? Yeah, that's a really good question as well. So um, some breeds, we we break, you know, health testing into sort of core tests that we recommend and additional tests that we think are great as well. Um, the only breeds that we do have minimum health testing requirements for are breeds uh, like your French Bulldogs, your British Bulldogs or your Pugs, um, which tend to have a you know, few more health issues than most. And for those breeds, we do uh, have minimum requirements. So, you know, for, for example, the French Bulldog, um, we do uh, say that breeders that are on right ball have to be doing hip scoring and spinal x-rays. So that's one example, um, just because of the issues that can crop up in those breeds. Um, so for those breeds, we do have minimums, but for others, we do try to encourage breeders to do it. Um, but every, every breeder has to at least be uh, doing some kind of breeding checks to make sure that they, uh, all their animals are fit to breed. So it's a good question. It's something we get a lot as well. And um, yeah, I think it's a, a good shout. So thanks uh, for sending that question through. 
I can see we've got another question that's come through as well, which is another DNA-related question. And yeah, I can see. Uh, it's oh, what, a, what a lovely name, Bornilla. I see yeah, Bornilla. If there's, if there's a standout today, it's that name. Lovely yeah. name. I wonder what to do, where it's if I could find out its ancestry. Bornilla is, is interesting. But Bornilla's asked the question twice. Because obviously oh. she thinks we've missed the first one, but that's a, how accurate are breed profiles? Mm, and I'm guessing we're talking DNA profiles. When I set up a Labrador Retriever full breed profile, mm. how accurate, by accuracy, I assume the tests incorporated into it is what she's she's clarifying how do we how do we how do we put the tests that are there how do we how do we know they're relevant to the breed i'm trying to get more i i suppose that's the question she's asking so for most of the tests that we list on there are tests that are published or have been scientifically validated as being relevant to that breed so there's a number of databases you can access that from and there's a pengen site and an omia site Sometimes some organisations will list breeds that they've found the uh, mutation in but may not be published. So we, again, are fairly, unless it's published in a, in, a, in, a, in a publication or listed on a reference database, we don't list it to the breed. Oh, I love our new Bonillas. She's Hispanic. There you go. And the, the, the problem we do have is associating phenotypic tests to a breed is always difficult because literally E. locus could be in any breed, K. locus could be in any breed. These days, Merle pops up more and more in other breeds. So we sometimes get challenged on, you know, why have you put long hair here? Every dog is long hair. Why have you put E. locus here when E. locus is fixed? It's because there unfortunately isn't, reference publications per breed it's just those colors appear in it so we simply say if it's fixed in the breed let us still report it and there is in some cases although that phenotype might, may not be part of the breed standard it does appear outside of the breed standard so we don't we list it although you've never seen you know, a, a Merle fr uh, French Bulldog is not in the ANKC breed standard. They appear. They're there. Somehow. So we offer it. <laughs> mm. So Bonilla, thank you. Lovely question. It's one we always get. Sometimes people say, can you put this disease and screen for this disease in my breed? We don't list it because once I do, it, then I get the question, why have you listed this disease in this breed? Show me where it's published. But, you know, if people want to want me to run something on the side for them, I will do it and I'll report it and upload it for them, but it won't be relevant. So sometimes people think, you know, screen for all the 220 diseases and give me all the results. Well, you know, in this case, more is not better. Having a result for hereditary cataract, which is not relevant to your breed, is actually giving you a false result because your dog is actually not clear genetically of hereditary cataract, the genetic test is only relevant to four breeds. So that's why you need to be wary of um, um, just what results you get hmm. and whether they're breed specific. And I'm ho hopefully that answers Benilla's question. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's good. And I think I know Oravet does try and keep all those full breed profiles up to date and, and you know, relevant, which is the main thing.
it's one of the headaches. Usually every six months we list a new disease and people, and people go, oh, no, not another one. I mean, oh, no, George is ruining my breeding. Oh, no. So, look, I just have to keep up with the pace of everyone else. Well, testing and so, research. Yeah, have to. So yeah. in the end, you know, you use it. You can order the, the test from the same sample. I apologise to breeds like the Labrador, which literally has. But if it makes you feel better, the Labradoodles and Noodles have it worse than all of you because they get all of those breeds that are listed. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's and not fun and games for them. No, I mean, and that links into the next question, I think, which um, I can see from Danielle, um, who said, how can you do research on crossbreeds with mixed genetics? Yeah, how do you do research on cross? That's a good question. Can you do research on crossbreeds? It's always hard. What is it? Usually you, usually you need to start with the um, with the pedigree or purebreds because, one, it's easier to trace and and work out recessiveness. And order. With a mixed breed, you're always struggling to find out who the parents were, who the great-grandparents were, who the grandparents were. Um, and that's why you struggle trying to do research with mixed breed genetics, unless it's a cancerous research, which, you know, is a lymphoma you might be able to. But you struggle to try and do a specific disease because their pedigrees and being able to track lineage and get samples is where the challenge is. Because mm -hmm. in most cases, in mixed breeds, you struggle to find the parents, let alone the grandparents, and then any siblings. And sometimes these diseases are also passed in a breed-specific way, which then makes it even harder. Yep. And obviously when you're doing a full breed profile on a Cavoodle as well, you have to look at obviously the it, it multiplies obviously the number of genetic conditions you need to test for. So you've got obviously the Cavalier and the, the Poodle inherited. And we include other set. breeds. Don't get me started yeah. because the development of the Cavoodle is infused with, you know, a number of other breeds. Yes. So, you know, if you look at the Labradoodle, we include some Spaniels, Cocker and English. We include some Bichon in it because based on discussions with breeders that it has been infused over 20 years with other breeds. So. Yeah. No, true. Good question. Um, gosh, I think, Andrew, have we got, we've got loads in the queue, haven't we? We're going to have to race through these. We've got lots of interest. This is great. Is it? Um, I knew I should have charged for this. <laughs> this is like a free consultation with George. And you're you're off the clock as well. And my jaw is starting to. Um, I need a. I need to sort of. I've got another question here from. Um, oh, someone's asked me about Lafora disease, Francis. Why, you know, Francis? Why could you not have parked this test? Look, Lafora disease is one that we have looked at. There are some cases where some diseases are very complex, and when I say complex the analysis and, and um, genes required to analyse just don't fit within the, the um, machines that you have. So, you know, usually you find some of these really challenging diseases offered, you know, at one or two places because they're dedicated to just this type of analysis, you know, where you can run one or ten tests based on the equipment you have. We just don't have the resources to run every single test. And unfortunately, this is one of the pains of genetic testing. There is not one platform that allows you to run every test. So you have to make challenges along the way where you have to use different types of platforms. Some platforms are easily um, automated. Some platforms only let you, allow you to run 16 samples at once. Some let you run 384. So it's got challenges. And in the end, most breeders 
want things at a bargain price, Nathan. And I can't run all these at a bargain price if I'm doing George sitting behind with one doing one test at a time. It's you know they, I, I, it has to be affordable, reliable, and sort of on a mass system. So that's uh, why I'd love to offer Lafora disease, but it's saying it's currently available in Czechoslovakia. What? There you go. Let's look into that. Let's look into that. Mm. And blood testing and in you know, the UK. What's, yeah, what's, what's wrong with giving some of these tests to the Czechoslovakians, I say? There's nothing wrong with that. Spread the love around. Let the Czechoslovakians have the Lafora disease. And, you know, I'm happy to, that you know, it's, there's another lab it might give me an opportunity to, to have a trip and visit this lab in Czechoslovakia. There you go. That's the next next overseas trip. Love it. Cool. Well, let's let's keep going. I'm I'm excited. We've got so many questions. And okay, I can see. So we've got a right poor question as well. Uh, so I'm buying a puppy. So someone's someone's in the market for a puppy. What health testing should I be uh, checking to ensure that you know my breed is doing the right thing? Um, that's a great question as well. Um, and I think. Every breed is different. We've, we've just talked about, you know, every breed has their own, you know, prerequisite conditions. On Rightpaw, on every breeder's profile, you can see the core tests and the additional tests that we recommend. So, you know, we've gone through and said, we believe, you know, for these breeds, these are the most important tests and these obviously are great tests as well. Um, and we check obviously those for the breeders, um, but you should definitely make sure you're asking the question yourself, you know, check from, you know, your litter that you're looking to buy has the mum and dad definitely had these done check those with the breeder to make sure um, so you can go to right and actually have a look for that breed what are the tests that we recommend um, and some might be physical tests like your hips your elbows your trachea some might be genetics so you know your dms your pras um, so all of those you should go on to right it's really easy to have a look at what you should check uh check for and, from the and breeder. you know what nathan when you're choosing a puppy, it shouldn't just be on health testing. You should also look socialization and so many other things. At the breeder, look at their history. How long have they been breeding for? If you look at most, um, you know, ANKC breeders, they've been breeding over time. They're, they've got, they've been sort of screening and have got pedigrees that don't wait, don't go right back. There's also temperament. You know, sometimes people sacrifice and think just focus on health. No, work on the temperament. Ask, speak to the breeder. See if there's other puppies. Maybe if they can to show you some um, some videos or something. So let's not just focus on health. Absolutely. Socialization is so important and temperament the way that they're raised. So, yeah, I think health is important, but look at it from a whole different host of angles as well. Um, oh, and I can see I've got okay. a French bulldog dreaded DM question. Oh, oh. and all of, and and you know it's a few DM questions. Yeah, when are you going to yeah. remove it? Which they've oh. been harping on. Oh. I may as well remove every test for French bulldog and just leave colours because that's that's really the only thing that they. Not. <laughs> why don't I remove? Oh. Why don't I remove DM from boxes? Why don't I remove DM from German shepherds? Why don't I remove DM from corgis? Mm. That's the question I have. Yeah, and so DM for. You know, for anyone who's listening and might not have heard of that, it's degenerative myelopathy. Myelopathy. And we know it is a, a crappy test based on the science. We know that maybe if the 
science was done today, it'd be different. We know that there's, it's one gene of maybe a hundreds that leads to DM, but I don't publish the science. I simply offer it. And do we, do we know whether there's any French bulldogs that have gone on to develop um, DM? I'm not sure. Is there any published? I, I, I would question to all these people that have any positive at-risk, no published association, which I write after the test, to go back after 8, 9, 10, 11 years and see if any do have. I'm aware that one organisation has removed it, but I want to know why they removed it. What is their reason? And But there are 20 other organisations that still offer it. At least we, we massage the results so it's not as, um, as prominent. We call it no published association to the risk. So my question there is, I hear you, Jess, and I could remove it, but I can guarantee you as soon as I remove it, there will be those that don't want it removed because most people that want it removed are those that have a positive or a carrier, and most people that don't want it removed are ones that have it as a negative or clear. So as much as, and I hear people, it's if you think it's bad in, in French Bulldogs, it's about seven, over 70% of corgis test positive for DM, but they never reach out to remove it. They simply work with on it. We understand that testing positive for the gene is, is, does not mean you are at risk. It means you have one gene and you need to sort of screen maybe your, your animal, you know, from eight years onwards. So I hear it. I get this message a lot. People ask me to remove it. Um, and it comes constantly. I, I do think about it. I'll tell you now, Jessica, I can't sleep at night when it comes to French Bulldog people. They make me toss and turn all night about DM, about results, about, you know, this I can get from somewhere else. And I love French Bulldog breeders. I do. I admire And I try and assist them as much as I But people need to understand that George Orivet offers testing to a number of organisations, a number of individuals, and that includes not and includes some of the traditional breeders as well. So I hear you. I accept your question. I'll, I'll, again, I won't be able to sleep sleep again tonight, Andrew, because <laughs> that DM question keeps popping up. This is like George at his uncensored. This like is it's like Joe, Joe Rogan level George. I love it. French bulldog people. I'm wearing a straight jacket. I'm, I've taken it off because they put me in one. <laughs> It's a tricky, it's a very tricky one. Tricky. And it I'll probably is, be getting yeah. messages. They're the only people I know, I love them, that will send me a Facebook message in the middle of watching something on Netflix at 9.30 at night. But I try to respond and get back to them. But, you know, well, you know, this is... The You're a celebrity, George. It's the, it's the, the trials and tribulations of a, of a celebrity geneticist. Created. So I'm hearing you, Kimberly. And we only test for the one sod gene because the other sod gene is not relevant. It's a different gene. It's only in, don't quote me, I think it's in, um, what breed is it? The Bernese Mountain Dog. That's it. George, George yeah. is good, man. There you go. Look at that memory retention. And we don't offer it because it's in the Bernese Mountain Dog. It's a different gene, a different complex test. It's huge. It's, it, we just, on the current platform, we can't offer it. So. Okay. There oh, go. look at this. Oh, someone's trying to sneak in a question, Lorinda. You just sneak. He's trying to know what I've got coming. Ooh, what's in the pipeline? Yeah, Lorinda. <laughs> <laughs> and Lor I think 
Lorinda's been a guest on our podcast before as well. If you might, the guest. I think is this. I think it might be. Yes. Oh, this is sneaky because what she wants to do is hold back on her samples to see to hold back. She's trying to wait, trying to get full value. There is seven new tests we've got in the pipeline. Oh, exciting! And just to keep it all exciting, one of them is that Adam T13, the one that the Norwich Terrier brachycephalic French Bulldog people. There's an A-Locus one that we're working on, the new A-Locus. There is um, that one on the Ridgeback Deafness off the top of my head. That's enough for now. There's about seven Lorinda and all will be released. We're slowly just sign up to our EDM and you'll, you'll know ahead of the game. And you know what will be great, Nathan? There'll be no price increase for them. There we go. It's all included. Included. Okay, how do we make money? So, yes. That's great. You like Steve Jobs, George. You're like, we've got all of these in the pipeline. There's little product releases that are coming. I love it. That's great. My son called me Tim Cook this morning. I had this look and he said, oh, Dad, you look like Tim Cook this morning. And I thought, okay, okay. Anyway, we've got, a new, we've got we another go. question. Here we go. We do. Okay, so... We've got a question from Bogan Moodles and Spoodles. So is Rightport able to figure out a way we are able to share our DNA results so they can't be stolen? That's a very, very good question. And I think it's something that people are very worried about. I know Oravet recently, you know, removed some identifying information to try and like minimize the risk of tests being passed on. And I think I think it's a real risk. Oh, right. Is 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 this a is this Bogan Moodles and Spoodles? Yes, it is. From but straight from from Bogan from Ningen. Oh, I thought you said as in Bogan, as in the Bogan. I thought they are. They've got the big Bogan in Ningen. That's like there's a big statue. Statue. You got to Google it. Google it. I was. Oh, what? I've learned something. I there thought I go. was gonna. I was gonna say they need a new marketing person because Bogan <laughs> Moodles and Spoodles doesn't really. It's narrowing your real. But no, it's got Bogan Moodles and Spoodles. So, Nathan, you're answering a question about, yes, sharing. Sharing DNA results. And I think a lot of owners rightly want to see the DNA results or they want to have confidence and, you know, know that the parents have been tested, that the parents are clear. And a lot of breeders are a bit nervous about it because they don't want to just send results out because they can get stolen or impersonated. So I've seen forge reports. I've seen barcodes changed. I've seen lots of things. Results changed. So, um. Yeah, I think it's a it's a you need to, what we need people need to understand is don't accept a photo of a result. Yeah. Don't accept a text message of a result. Ask someone to share a result. When you share a result, you get the result that's in our excuse me, our database emailed into your account. It can't be changed, it can't, can't be, be forged. Don't 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 fall for the I don't know how to. Mm. Oh, I don't know how to share. A lot of them do that. Oh, I don't know. This is easier. And I can tell you about 80% of the time when they're texting, they're not the right document. Yeah. And maybe there's ways, I mean, I reckon this is something we work on Oravet and Rightpools together. Maybe there's ways we can watermark them or find ways that they can, you know, can't be passed off. Um, but yeah, they have to come from the right source. So it's a, oh, you do? I, people find their ways around it. I verify your sample on our system. You enter the barcode and it gives you some key details. So maybe we need to sort of get that message out. Well, I think one of the things we're also looking to do is introduce 
dog profiles on Ripepaw so that you can actually, you know, up, uh, include your dog and, and maybe there's ways that you can include the DNA results of those dogs and they can't be forged. They're on Ripepaw. We've checked them. So you can share them through that. It's a good question. I don't have an answer right now, but it's something we should look into for sure. It's a good one. Um, oh, look, they're all coming in thick and fast. Okay, Emma, um, this is another, yeah. Why don't I have a test like that other marketing venture capitalist group that offers tests for traits and gastro metabolism? I, I try and focus more on the health tests. Mm. Some of these tests like size and all that, I'm not, I don't sort of see them as a priority. So that's the truth. Mm. I offer some tests that, that, the others don't we just can't so the, the systems that and what um this other group started off as is completely changed remember this group was a pet only mixed breed testing group which saw these tests as being more more um uh more um popular to that market and not to the breeder market they've left them on there so you know i'm not aware of their gastro test I'm not aware of their metabolism traits. And, you know, some of these, I try and prioritise my traits to have meals by base pairs, offering both pie tests. I'm going to look at the new A-Locus test, which someone has asked me about. That was one of the eight that we are developing. So that's being developed. Um, so, again, I don't, I try not to look at what the others offer. I, I focus on what we can try and do and deliver. Um you know, there's not one stop shop that offers everything. Unfortunately, you have to try and sometimes offer. Um, I'd rather focus on trying to get Lafora disease up and running than, you know, size and metabolism traits is where I would sort of focus on. And there's always, yeah, there's so much, the possibilities are endless as well. I think a lot of the questions are, George, I feel for you. They're just straight, straight down the barrel at you. We've got Another uh Ask me about whether they can eat two chocolate dash ounce. Yes. <laughs> I prefer dark chocolate myself because it's always healthier. So Brit, I've never found any um health issues regarding colour apart from things such as a merles and pies and breeding some of those together, as to whether a chocolate has is harder to breed and less conceived, litters conceived. I'm not aware of any science. Am I aware of different colours showing different, um, different phenotype, different different behaviour? Some tell me. Some tell me their brindles are different to a silver lab. You know, that, but again, I haven't seen the publication in science. Most of it comes from breeders who have been breeding and see a variation in the behaviour or temperament of a dog based on a particular colour. But my argument would be you might see a different behaviour in chocolate Labradors because there probably hasn't been as many bred. So yeah. there hasn't been that. But I'll Where, leave it with this. How many times have you gone to it? When you buy a white rabbit, I can guarantee if you buy a white rabbit or a white mouse and leave it out in the wild, it won't last you as long as an agouti mouse or an agouti rabbit. But the white rabbit and the white mouse probably makes a better pet. Now, you know, I think I'm just putting it out there. I'm just basing on when I go to it. So leave a white, white rabbit out in the wild. It will struggle to survive two days, but an agouti rabbit would survive a lot longer. 
bring in a goody rabbit home and it'll probably nip your finger off, be harder to pat and cuddle, but a what? So what has happened? The selection mm. of the white rabbit has been to, for a particular behaviour, which makes a good pet. And okay. the silver fox experiment is a classic example of that. And yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good colour questions here as well. I can see another one that's come through. Is it true brindle cannot be tested for? Good question. No, you can't. Oh, why is that? You just can't. The gene's unknown. So all you know is that oh. it's on the K locus and usually it's dependent on breed. There's some research that I know an organisation is doing that. And when they do that, they'll be able to retire. So brindle is only expressed in a few breeds, bull breeds being one in particular. So this is really a key question for French bulldog people. So you usually know that when you've got one copy of black and one copy of non-black on the K locus, that K locus may express as a brindle. So you can't test right. for it. It's a good question. Someone's asked me about HCM on the Sphinx. Uh, look at these, these people, they get on. I have made headway in that I have looked at it and I'm going to list it as one of my nets. So there's a HCM now, um, right? And shout out. Good, I should shout out here. Our first cat question. Yeah, love a cat question. Yeah, thank you to Maxine for giving us a cat question. Well, you know, in the end, you can pat a cat just as well as you can pat. <laughs> thank you. About time we've got. So, yes, we are looking at this HCM test. I've got to somehow get my hands on the publication. But... Maxine, it will be one of my eight. So usually if you're breeding French bulldogs and you get into cats, you're not going to breed, you're going to breed a sphinx because, you know, French bulldog people are really into the love of their pets where, and where there's ching ching. So the sphinx is one, which leads us into another question, which is yes. for you. It is. I can see Maxine coming in. She said, do you plan on branching out into cat breeders also? It's a great question. And it's a question we get a lot. Um, and the answer is absolutely. It's just a matter of time. But yeah, we do have a lot of cat breeders reaching out to us and saying, can we use Rightpuller to manage our applications and it would save us so much time and have a great directory for cat breeders. So Maxine, what I'd say is hang tight. It is coming. Yeah. And you uh, know what? I think left paw. What? All animals, all animals have paws. That's the whole, you know, that's, that's why all animals have paws. A lot of animals have paws, I should say. So it's good because, you know, but let me tell you something. If you think cat, if you think dog people are challenging to deal with, whew, wait till you get to cat people seances. But if there's one thing I do like about cats is um, we, I love a cat show because you really, a judge, you know, explains it all. It is really like a, um, you're on display. They show you the temperament, everything yeah. about it. It's. I've, I mean, I've been to many a dog show, not a cat show. Very educational. Hmm. Very educational, very hands-on. You know, they, there's, you know, when you're observing a cat show, it is very, I, I like it. They really, yeah. they really test the temperament of the cat. You know, put yeah. toys in front of it, pick it up, make sure it can droop down, do all those sort of things. Be amazing. I mean, training a dog is one thing, but training a cat. I mean, hats off to to cat trainers. I think that's amazing. They're not as motivated as uh, as dogs are. I find. Um, okay, gosh, we're we're racing through things. Julie's asked me about retinal dysplasia, oculoskeletal dysplasia. Why did we remove it from Orivet? We removed it because it wasn't behaving well. It wasn't performing well. It wasn't giving me consistent, reliable data. Hence, we removed it. 
sometimes we have to and we'd rather go along that way and I understand that people have been testing for it and it was offered and I just couldn't get access to really good control samples to help me evaluate it as well. That's the, that's the reason. I don't like removing tests, Julie, let me tell you, but I have to based on when they're just not performing well and that's based on just the technology we're using and access to some control samples. I'm happy to look at it again, Julie, if you can, we can source some um, positives and some carriers to try and look at it as a new test to develop. Yep. That's good. And I think I'm just going back up to one that we might have missed as well. Because I think from Kira, will Oravet be looking into the new ASIP testing for the A-Locus? It's one of those new tests I see. Ah, yes. Onto, how quick are these people? It's That's it. You revealed it. It was like a, an exclusive on the podcast. A developed and offered by UC Davis. Huge shout out to UC Davis. I admire the work they do. I know the scientists behind there and they do some great work, great research, been in the industry for, and that's great. They're a, they're a, they're a, um, they're a university based. The paper is published, the science is there and we will be offering it. And what's it, putting my hand up as the non-scientist, ASIP in what, what can you talk, talk me through what uh, ASIP testing for the A-locus means it's just a newer goody so it's that a locus which expresses your your fawns or your reds which is your ays your black mm. and tan your solid black so it's it's an expression that works with the k locus mm. so it's it's um you know it's the classic gene in the black and tan doberman is the a locus the fawn and red in the french bulldog is the lay locus the um the tricolor is the a locus okay Interesting. So it's it's more a goody signaling something protein. Don't get me um, again. No, that's three out of four is pretty good. Nice. Okay, there we go. That's coming. Another cat. Maxine's coming back with the cat questions. This is good. She's asking. Yeah, she's taking advantage of this. I told you, people are sitting there <laughs> getting free consults on genetics. Should have. I should have made this a ticketed event. Could you imagine if we had a vet on board? They'd be getting free surgery right now. They'd be offering to sort of, this is my. And we should put it, maybe we have to put a disclaimer that says this is, you know, general advice. <laughs> so I don't, I need to sort of take this off. I, I don't know whether I've got that, um, that panda gene available, um, Maxine. I'll probably need to talk to you more and more um, about it and see what samples you've got. And I'm just not aware of it in those breeds yeah. to be honest well in you know george in a parliamentary inquiry if you don't know the answer you can take the take the question on notice and you can come back to them later i'll take the question on notice here maxine and i will and we can have a chat after this and i'll i will make sure that my electorate reaches out to you <laughs> and we make this an issue and we bring it up and i'm, I'm going to make sure that every shepherd and pug is tested for the panda gene I want to make that. That's your election promise for the for the May, for the twenty first of May. So, and there's a question that's come. Rebecca snuck in again. A turnaround time question. She's oh, done it in a subtle way. We knew it was coming. We knew it was always going to come. And I'm looking at this, and straight away when I look at it, I don't even have to know. I know the breed is French Bulldog because there's only three tests that they want that take this time. So. I will give the same spiel that I've been giving for the last six months on why some tests take longer. So there is a group of tests, 16 tests. Sorry, Nathan and Andrew, to be boring. No, this, 
This is for the listeners. They, this is the whole point of an Ask Me Anything. It's but for what their we benefit. do is when we see a French Bulldog person request a test, we want to make things difficult for them. We want to restrict their breeding. Surely not. The reason being is there is a group of tests. We made a choice to move all our tests from single assays to be part of the full breed profile. So that's 68 tests. We said no longer do they need to pay another $60 and add them all. We're going to bring them all onto one simple request. Unfortunately, having to do that meant that we had to use a platform for 18 tests that did not suit the mass automation that we do. And that includes Merle, that includes DVL2, that includes Pi, that includes um, uh, the Bernard Sulia syndrome, that includes dilated cardiomyopathy 1, that includes um, IVDD. Unfortunately, they're complex and they need to be run on another type of platform. That platform allows you to run a certain number of samples at one time. But what happened is in the development of that platform, Getting access to the consumables is was challenging through COVID. I know COVID's, but trying to get them through, so which put us back three months. What we do now is we run every single sample for every single test. So we've got a backlog we're trying to catch up on. I can assure you by sort of middle of June, we will be clear of all our backlog and those results will be within the two to three weeks. Let me tell you, we hate it as well because it's literally double handling results, double handling email, double handling people that are annoyed that are waiting for this, these results. Our priority is to get DNA profiles done first, which is important for people that want to register within ANKC and their litter registrations. Mm -hmm. That is our priority. Second is diseases as part of the full breed profile. And then third is some of the traits. And these 16 we are working on. We have a backlog of we're, we're still processing samples in mid-March and we're in sort of mid-May for these. Wow. But we had close to 6,000 samples to, um, to work through. But I promise you, Rebecca, next podcast we have, which is live, you'll be saying, George, great, I've now got these results. How long do, until we get the A-locus, the new A-locus, the new A-test? And what you haven't, what you haven't told is that it's uh, that's scheduled for November this year, and no, I'm, I'm joking. So, again, another reason why I can't sleep at night, too, I toss and turn about all these results and how um, how long some of these take. So don't, when people don't think, I, I do care. Let me tell you, I, customer service cares. We understand these are critical and people have to make key breeding decisions. We know that. We understand why Merle and Pied and DVL2 are important. We understand to members of the MDBA that use these tests. But I'm going to have the Adams T3 test as well too, which would be great for them, and we'll get them all together. So I hear you, Rebecca. Hopefully that's clarified why they are taking so long and we're just getting through that whole process. So this is a backlog from December that we've had to clear through. And then we only optimise the test in February. So you can imagine there's two months of backlog and we can only run 96 samples at a time compared to 384 with the other equipment. So we're constantly... Mm -hmm. There we go. I think... Uh there we go. We're almost out of time, I think, but let's, yeah, we'll try and sneak in this last question. Is on, what was that, what was that line you said to me about? Take it on notice. Take it on notice. Can this person email me? Because in the end, Domino is one that I really need to talk about and lap hounds 
again, Laphounds, I apologise them because that that retinal, the retinopathy is on part of those 17 and they take a while to get. So my goal is to get through all my backlog, which I'm trying to work on the new tests, and then I'm happy to look at Domino as yeah. part of that. And George, for, for those uh, listeners who want to email you, could you just share with us your email address? Yeah, you do. No, Nathan, you're not going to get me on this one because last time I know what happened. Yeah. It's George at orivet.com. Ha, see? There we go. That's a little that's a little in joke. That's a little in joke for our podcast listeners who uh will hear a little uh, Easter egg in our next podcast. So uh, we'll leave that there. Uh, and then I will get back to the most interesting question. Yeah, so we've we're almost out of time. So we've had a lot of good questions. Let's do it. I think we're 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 almost up. We're going to have to do a round 2. Ask me anything round 2. Back for more. There is there is many um, interesting. There were some really good questions. Rather than focus on the questions, I'm going to give two prizes based oh. on based on the name of the person that asked the question. Wow. Okay. So you know when Vanilla's name came up. It was it literally, I felt like a flavor of an ice cream. <laughs> so I'm giving a full breed profile to vanilla. And then when Bogan Moodles and Spoodles came up, I'm actually wearing some slippers while I speak. Thank God you and I felt like that's gotta be that's a You felt at home. One of the Bogans. I think if there's a Bogan, a Bogan and I'm giving um, a full breed profile to vanilla. Because when I go to Messina Ice Cream next week, I'm going to ask them if they've got a vanilla. <laughs> banana and vanilla. Banana, banana. <laughs> so that's what I thought I'd, because there was too Brilliant. many other questions. Um, no, no, there were some good ones. And and I think, yeah, so for, for vanilla and for Bogan Moodles and Spoodles, email through george at orivet.com and he'll get that sorted for you. And I thought what we're going to do, we're not going to let this go without going through the breed question. And let's go through the breed question on the French Bulldog because every question was based on the French yeah. Bulldog. So on the podcast, what we do for all of our listeners is we have our breed, uh, breed, of, the, breed of the week and we go through the breed standard for that breed. George is just searching for his uh, dog Bible. A John Bryson book. Where is it? Here it is. There we go. That's, that's, an, that's another thing we need to let John know. Look at this, Nathan. When you put it into your – there's nothing – there's no information uh, on the spine. That's so I couldn't it. find it. Missed opportunity. But we've got it there with the dog Bible. So, and I've got my group. So can you people just type me, what group does the French Bulldog belong to, according to the ANKC? See? I know that. No spoilers from me. Spoilers, you know that, Nathan. See if anyone's still there so we can read out. Because, unfortunately, John lists the breeds in this really good book. Anyone that really wants a really good book on breed standards, no one got back me. What is it, Nathan? I think they've all. Uh, Andrew, have we had any uh, any guesses through? No, no one wants to say the wrong thing. So they're all uh, so called experts when it comes to disease and removing DM, but no one can tell me what group the, the French bulldog belongs to. Well, we've gotten <laughs> we've gotten group seven, Bracky. Yeah. Group seven's correct. 
I think though it's technically called the non-sporting group. It's the yeah. non-sporting group. So well, two eight. two have come through and um, said uh, non-sporting. Ah, very good, very good. So let's have a look at it. Well done. Oh, and they've listed the, a new breed in the non-sporting too, the Australian Bostog. Just recent, in the recent edition. Yeah. Bostogs. I'm going to have to Google that. Australian Bostog. It's listed now, an accepted breed. Let's have a look at the French Bulldog according to the Australian Dog Judges Guide. The concise. So general appearance, it's sturdy, it's compact, it's solid, it's a small dog with good bone, short, smooth coat, no point exaggerated, balance is essential. And it says dogs showing respiratory distress are highly undesirable. That's good. I think that's a great thing to have in the breed standard. Mm. Let's look at their key points. They're full of courage. Yet they've got a clown-like quality. Hey, look at courageous and clown-like. Are these are these the owners we're talking about, or no? They, uh, <laughs> ears and short tail characteristic features of the breed. They've got a square head. The skull is nearly flat. And doomed forehead, fine wrinkling when the dog is alert. Stop well defined, muzzle broad, deep and set back, lower jaw deep. This is well written. They've got bat ears of medium size, wide at the base and rounded at the top. They've got a mouth that's slightly undershot and teeth and tongue not showing when the mouth is closed. Interesting. Body is cobby, muscular, gently roached back. Their movement is free and flowing, soundness with sound of the utmost importance. Their coat texture is fine, smooth, lustrous, and just for those listening, short and close. I know we've got some long hair, so the tail is undocked, short, set low, and that's pretty much it. It's And yep. the colours accepted. Oh, here we go. I'm interested in this. Is, according to John, Brindle, Fawn, Pied, Merle. No, uh, Brindle, Fawn, and Pied. They're the two. So for those that want to read about it, that's what's come out of here. So there's the guide. Um, on the right. French Bulldog. So, and we've had, George, just remind us, so who's the author of the book? Because someone's just messaged through. Oh, really, guys, this is, this is John Bryson. You can buy it from Dog News Australia. It's really well written, really concise. Yeah, it paints a very visual picture as you're reading through it. Really good. He's got a picture in there, and John's actually signed and sent me a copy. Telling George sent you, please. And he's because he owes me favours. You know, we've been plugging his book. George, that's it. George gets a commission. No, I'm joking. He doesn't. I really like it. Really well written. It's a great book. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's by John Bryson. You can buy it from Dog News Australia. It's called The Concise Australian Dog Judges Guide. Make sure you get edition three, which lists the Australian boss dog. And it stings you about $39. And, you know, don't ask me. John, I I think John's got himself a new Mercedes last time I saw him, um, Nathan. From the royalties from the book? I don't know. I can't confirm that. I don't know. But I do know that uh, we are definitely out of time. But I think, George, mate, you're a champ. You were just firing off answers left, right, and center. I think you did a, you did well. I think all of our listeners uh, definitely, next time we're going to have to ticket this because you're the star of the show. Really? No, I think, it, look, I'm happy people just came on board at one stage, Nathan. I thought it'd be just yourself, myself, and Andrew asking questions. Yep. But I'm glad people have asked me. I, I, you know, as people know, if you get to me and chat to me, I'm happy to answer questions. 
great to see, you know, a range of people and, you know, from, you know, cats as well, which was great. Brilliant. Brilliant. And let's have, we'll have another session. If this went so well, we can do it again in another month's time. Absolutely. No, it's great. What I would love people to do is get down and download our podcast and start listening. Yeah, there's some great episodes on there. You know, we've had breeders as guests, um, you know, where I talked about socialization, temperament, stud dogs, dog transport, so many different episodes. Um, so we're going to post a link to the podcast in the in the comments. Um, feel free and, and check out some of the other episodes. And special thanks to Andrew for moderating uh, the comments as they've come through. To all of our listeners, thanks again. And uh, we'll speak to you soon.